My name is Doug Hill. How are we doing on sound? Is that good? I'm an elder here at uh, Grace Presbyterian Church, if you don't know me. And Ryan has asked me to preach this morning, and he gave me my text, which I always like. That's one less responsibility I have. He gave me Psalm 119, which is crazy. Um, so if you want to turn there, we're going to look at some verses in Psalm 119. But you know, when Ryan asked me to do this, I like it, because I like an impossible challenge. Uh, I really do. And I also like kitchen sink works of art, works of art that the, the author or the musician, they just throw everything in there, and it's long and huge and complicated. So, The Old Man in the Sea or Moby Dick? Moby Dick, of course. Come on. A three-minute song or a 33-minute song? Oh, yeah. 33-minute song. Definitely. Every time. So, um, I mean, you may not be that way. You may look at Psalm 119 with its 22 different chapters and you cut it up. I'd just rather read the whole thing, just like some big emotional wave, you know, coming over you. And if you sit down and read Psalm 119, uh, at first glance, it looks like it's only about one subject, the Bible, the Word of God. Wait, 176 verses and it's on one subject? Yeah, that's the kind of thing I like. Again, if you don't like it, I get it. Or if you like, well, I'll do this, but uh, it's a struggle for me, I get it. Before we go on, though, let's pray and ask God's blessing on uh, the preaching. Lord, in Psalm 119, the psalmist says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. By your appointment, they stand this day for all things are your servants. Lord, we thank you for creating the world with your word. We thank you, Jesus, for upholding this world with your powerful word. We thank you for creating us, and we are your servants. And we pray that you wouldn't withhold your word from us because it's a strength to us. We thank you for your covenant and all things in it. Through Jesus, our great mediator, we pray. Amen. At the beginning of the Bible, God speaks all things into existence. Let there be light. And there it was. He does this for six consecutive days, creating all that was and is through speech. But before this, God had always been speaking, even before time. The Father was always speaking forth his word, the second person of the Trinity, the co-equal Son. And through this Son, this word, all things were created. God creates a man and a woman, and the son probably begins communicating with them in the garden, in the cool of the day. Isn't that nice? After their fall, he continues to speak to people like Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and Enoch and Noah and Melchizedek and Abraham and throughout the known world. And then with the advent of writing, God inspires prophets and breathes into them his words, his inscripturated word to be written down and treasured, treasured. And then to top it off, the Son himself volunteers from all eternity to take on himself a human body and speak to people directly for 30 years and live a life like theirs and die a death like theirs. And then the Father and the Son together send forth the willing spirit in a great measure, to the apostles, who through biographies of Jesus and letters to the churches, show us the fullest revelation of the way of salvation and blessedness. 
And you have to ask, what more could God do to communicate with us? Well, all that's true, but it's not that simple because sin has marred everything. Sin has corrupted the message at every point. The first one, God created everything and speaks to us in nature, Romans 1. Then why are there weeds and thorns? Why do bears attack? Sin has brought a curse on nature, Romans 8, on what God spoke into existence, so that finding God in nature becomes tricky. Well, Romans 2 says that God gave every person ever born a conscience, and he speaks to them in that. What a blessing. But that's tricky, too, because sin has mucked this up. Everyone has parts of their conscience that is seared by sin, so we don't get the message clearly. Well, how about the third way? Jesus Christ as the God-man, speaking directly to us in person. Now, that's more like it. The problem is he's not around. He is in heaven now, and we can't sit at his feet and listen to him. And so what we're reduced to, if I could say it that way, is we're reduced for our clearest revelation of the Godhead to us to the scriptures, God speaking words that he gave to prophets to write down in Hebrew and Greek. Through these words in the Bible, we have a relationship with God. He talks to us directly, and we talk back to him in prayer. Now, of course, this is tricky too. Do we get the message right? Not, not always. Um, but he also gives us his spirit to illuminate the meaning of the words and teach us throughout church history, by the way, and the ability to love these words and to do them. Hey, Doug, you ever going to get to Psalm 119? I'm getting there. <laughs> so Psalm 119, I don't know why this keeps hitting my shirt. Try it up here. That should be better. Psalm 119, at first glance, is a song of praise to this inscripturated word of God, the Bible. But not just the words, but to the various multitudinous ways that these words connect us to him. Some people, when they read Psalm 119, they sound like, this guy is worshiping a word. He's worshiping the words rather than the Lord. No. But some people might do that. You know, some old cranky critic, he might take the Bible and say, I don't care about God, but I'm just going to use this Bible for my own ends and, you know, go from there. Well, that's not what the psalmist had in mind. So in other words, here's us, here's the Bible, here's God. It's not like the Bible stands between us, but we're connected to God through this word. And so Psalm 119, so far from being a praise of a, of a text, it's, it sounds like this. Prayers like this are in there. Verse 176, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Or there are words of triumph in what God has done like this. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. And the inference there is God's going to rescue me. There, there are resolutions to go in the strength of God like this. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rule. So, once again, God's word is his instrument to bring us into a living union with him. And by the way, we don't listen for voices. The word is sure and the word is enough. Okay, Psalm 119. 
Here we go. Um, the first thing you notice in Psalm 119, he doesn't always use the same word for word. He uses eight different words because his subject is so big. So I want to go through a few of these and illustrate them. One word we find for the revelation of God to us are precepts. Precepts, which are detailed instructions. So for instance, in Leviticus, there are precepts about offerings, five different kinds of offerings with detailed instructions for each kind. Who loves Leviticus? <laughs> we got two out of about 80. All right. Well, if, 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 if you don't love Leviticus, take a really good spiritual commentary because it's full of the mercy and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. All right. Each offering symbolizes something in the life and death of Christ. And so it becomes an open book. It's a good precept, these detailed instructions. The next word we have for the word is statute. Statute. A permanent binding law. Here's a statute. Nadab and Abihu had been drinking before they entered the tabernacle to perform their duties. Because they screwed everything up and were irreverent, it says they died in a blaze of fire before the Lord. Thus, this everlasting statue is given to Israel. Priests are not to drink wine or strong drink while performing their priestly duties. And we think, yeah, I mean, that's a good idea. You want Ryan drunk up here when he's uh, preaching? So we say, amen. But this story is just one permanent, binding, good statute for Israel. Another word for God's revelation are commandments, right? And that emphasizes the idea that this is an authoritative word. The word has real weight because God said it. Here's a commandment. I am the Lord your God, dot, dot, dot. Don't commit adultery. Commandment. We follow it because God said it. He is the authority. Yeah, but my wife and I, we have irreconcilable differences. We don't get along. No, we listen to the commandment. We listen to the commander who gives us his word. Another word, judgments. That one sounds harsh. Judgments are fair, wise standards of right and wrong. That's good. Here's a, here's a judgment in the Bible. The law for theft uh, in the Bible was if something was not really expensive, you had to pay back twice as much as you stole. If it was an important, if it was an expensive article like an ox or something, you had to pay back four times as much. But here's the kicker. In Israel, if, when you paid back what you stole, your name was clear. You were, you were good to go, all right? And um, so it's, it's a really good word. You compare that today. By the way, our law reflects the same thing. We have petty and grand theft, right? But it tends to include jail time also. And so, and I'm not saying we should change that, but I'm just saying I like God's fair and wise standard because I think when people go to jail, they tend to learn how to be criminals. You know, and I'm not saying we could change that, but I just like, it's, in some ways, God's law is more lenient than ours on that particular um, judgment. The next word for the word is word, which is the truth proceeding from God's mouth revealing something to us that actually captures reality. Here's a good word from the scriptures. I am the Lord your God. I am merciful and
gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and faithfulness. That's a good word right there. Another word for God's revelation is, oh, we got three more, by the way, is a promise. God's word is full of promises. Here's a promise. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and I won't remember their sin or iniquity anymore. Thank you, Lord. Another word is testimony. Why is that doing that? Because they're... I hate sound problems. And yet they're always with us. Testimony. So these words are like witnesses that are always speaking. I can tell you, God said this, and if you follow it in faith, this is the expected outcome. Now, if you don't believe and obey, this is the expected outcome, and I'm going to witness against you or for you. The last word is law or Torah, which you've heard of, which originally was an archery term, which meant to aim at a target, a certain direction, an instruction going that way. Uh, so it's good instruction. Here's a Torah. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And another one, and your neighbor as yourself. So, done. You guys made it through the eight words that are in Psalm 119. For the Christian, though, all these eight words or concepts are good things. And I say that because for several reasons, when we hear the word law as a Christian, what we, I think what a lot of us hear is an old rusty sign in stencil letters that says, no trespassing. All violators will be shot. I think that's what we hear when we hear the word law. We don't hear something good and righteous and holy, right? And we remember specifically Paul's beef with the law, the law as a justifier, the person who would say, I can actually keep everything in God's law and be justified by that before God. Paul gets really animated when it comes to that. And so I don't really have a lot of time to trace this, but I want to trace this idea. Where did somebody ever get the idea that they could be saved by their good works? Where does that come from? All right. So I just want to spend just a little bit of time with this. After the fall, the way of salvation, which was promised immediately after in Genesis 3.15, which was then promulgated through Abraham and Moses and others, was by grace through faith in the promised Messiah to come. And in Malachi, in the last book of the Old Testament, God tells his people he's going to send his messenger that will clear the way, and then the Messiah himself will come. Yay! The promised one will finally be here. And he does tell them to remember the law of Moses. But again, the law of Moses was never meant to justify them. What happened? Why would people, the Pharisees in the New Testament, get the idea that they could be saved by works? You don't see Old Testament saints talking that way. Here's what happened in a tiny nutshell. And this is, again, tiny. The Jews returned back to their land after the Babylonian captivity. So we're talking about the 500s, the 400s, the 300s, the 200s. And a group of separatists, by the way, we should be separate from the world, called, who were eventually called Pharisees, a holiness movement, holiness is good, they began majoring on minor laws. And through blind zeal, 
came up with many stricter laws than God prescribed so that they could never come close to breaking one of God's laws. They also believed eventually that their comments on the scriptures in the Mishnah and the Talmud, which by the way has the craziest opinions and made up stories about the Bible, they taught that these oral traditions were like a second law on a par with the scriptures. So in short, they made up their own outward rules that never reached God's law of the heart and in their arrogance actually believed they were righteous before God by keeping these apart from mercy and grace and faith. And of course Saul, who was later Saint Paul, he was an extreme version of one of these Pharisees. That's why he comes down, I mean if you've been burned by something you're gonna hate that thing and he should. I hate it too. But that's why he comes down so hard in Galatians and Romans against righteousness by the law. And if I could paraphrase Galatians 1, 8, and 9, I pray whoever teaches that goes straight to hell. But even St. Paul, in the midst of his pharisaical arrogance, who got seduced and burned by the law, when he was converted, this is what he would say about the law. Romans 3, do we nullify the law through faith? May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the right use of the law. And again in Romans 8, Jesus condemned sin so that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the, after the Spirit. So, we're saved by grace through faith, walking in the love of God in Christ by the power of the Spirit, we live our lives, and we love the whole Bible. Okay, I promise, we're actually going to get to Psalm 119 now. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> now, you read Psalm 119, 176 verses. Um, I'm a Western person. I'm not an Eastern person. To, to us, as we read through Psalm 119, they seem kind of random. You know, you can, you can find kind of see a theme in each section, but it kind of seems just like 176 proverbs or prayers thrown together. All right, that's, that's what we get. So I have actually categorized them for the Western mind. Now, I'm only going to give like five. There's 30-some all right, categories that I came up with. So we're just going to touch on uh, Psalm 119. And I'm going to embarrass myself. I'm going to take some of these and kind of breathe them out as if this is what you would do if you're sitting down and communing with your father over the word. All right? These are the kind of things you would do. And I'm sure you do it. Um, but I guess I have to ask, do you talk to God in an honest, sweet way, talking about the scriptures to him, opening your life up? Do you do that? Right? That's, it, that's, where, that's where the power comes from. That's where the sweetness of being a Christian comes from. All right? So the first category I came up with is the, the, the revelation that God gives us. It's just that. It's a revealed wisdom. Has anybody, I just have to raise your hand, have you, has God ever revealed something to you? Do you know what that, okay, I mean that is, that's an amazing feeling and we have a text that reveals things to us. I don't know if, we, if you've been in the church your whole life, if you appreciate that, but if you've been outside the church and tried to figure things out on your own, thank God for his revelation. All right, verse 130. The psalmist says, the unfolding of your words gives light 
It imparts understanding to the simple. Lord, I am simple. I may not think I'm simple, but I am. Take your word and unfold it and let light come out of it so that I might have understanding. Verse 125, I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. Lord, I am your servant. In the world, I am nothing. I don't care. You know what I want as payment as a servant? Give me understanding so that I can know your testimonies. Verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. Lord, I know the statutes. I can, I can read. They're right there. But there's a way about them. I have to compare this scripture with this scripture with this scripture. And, and it's not just keeping it, but it's, it's the attitude that you have while keeping it. There's a way about your statutes. Teach me that way, Lord. Verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet. So it shows me what to do today, tomorrow. And, it, and a light for my path. It shows me what to do throughout my life. There's a goal. There's a purpose. Thank you, Lord. Verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. We should never think of the Bible as boring. We're bored a lot of times, but there are wonders in the scriptures. If God will open our eyes, do that for me, Lord. Verse 135, make your face shine upon your servant. The face shining was either someone smiling or someone showing favor. We want God to smile, to, to show us favor. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. That is his desire. That's the best favor he could get from God. So that we can boldly say, having this Revealed revelation. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. My enemies are sharp. They really are. They're much smarter than I am. Uh, and they're, they're strong. It doesn't matter. They, they'll change opinions eventually. Your word is ever with me. I am wiser than they are. Verse 99. I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies are my, wait, more understanding than the teachers? You better be humble about that. Yeah, my teachers are, they have, they're smart, they have degrees, that can't be. But if your testimonies are my meditation, it can be true. Verse 100, I understand more than the aged, those who are supposed to be reputed for wisdom. Why? For I keep your precepts. Another benefit Another subject, another benefit of communion with the Trinity while reading the Bible is blessedness, fullness. Verse 12, blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. Lord, I know you're blessed, you are happy, you're so happy you can't help but just give and give and give, you're generous. I want to be like you are. And I know your statutes reflect your character, so teach me your statutes so that I can be blessed like you are. Verse 56, this blessing has fallen to me. By the way, if you had to ask a blessing from God to fall on you, what would you ask? 
boom, the blessing fell. This blessing has fallen to me that I may keep your precepts. That's convicting. Uh, The thing that would really bless him is, is if he was able, in the power of the Spirit, to keep God's precepts. Verse 65, you have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. You said you would, and my experience confirms it. You have dealt well with me, like you said you would. Great, here's another one, verse 165. Great peace, shalom, great peace have they who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. I am safe. You keep me in your way, I will not stumble. All right? Another blessing as you commune with God, you guys stay with me now, as we commune with God is holiness. Verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? That's a good question. Young men are full of piss and vinegar, right? By guarding it according to your word. So this is a, this is a cleansing word. This is a sanctifying word. It, it, and it takes something strong like that to keep uh, the young people their, their way pure. Verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You mean if I read scripture, meditate on it, possibly memorize it, it'll actually have an effect? It'll be like a weapon against sin? Yes. Yes. Let's do that. Verse 133, which is a prayer. Keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. It's a good prayer. Keep my steps steady. Lord, you promised you would do that. I don't want to have iniquity, have dominion over me. Keep your promise, Lord. Keep steady my steps. Uh, But God doesn't expect us to grit our teeth and obey. He gives us a different motive power. And so, as we read the scriptures, we can actually gain delight and joy and praise. Uh, Is anybody, Spinal Tap, 1984, the movie, this is Spinal Tap. Anybody? We got, okay, we're we're batting about 200 there. so Marty DeBerge, he is um, the he's interviewing the loudest band ever, Spinal Tap, and the keyboard player Viv. He asked him at the end of the movie. He says, "If you had to describe, how did he say it? If you had to say, what is your? Oh, I can't think of it now. What is your creed? What is your philosophy of life?" And Viv says, "To have a good time." All the time. That's my philosophy of life. All right. And I think as Christians, in some sense, we can do that. We can be joyful. We really can. He says five or six different times, I will delight in your statutes. Here's verse 14. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. What if you had all the riches in the world? And you had the scriptures here and the love of God. Which one are you going to take? Yeah. I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Verse 111. Your testimonies are my heritage forever. So they're the joy of my heart. An inheritance. We, we, most of us probably won't get an inheritance in these days that we live in. It's okay. I have the scriptures, which bring me joy because they connect me to you, and they're there forever. Thank you, Lord.
Okay, this is for people uh, when life is not always so peachy, though, when you can't just praise God. How about when people hate you or pick on you? Notice how this word covers all different areas of our lives. Verse 39, turn away the reproach that I dread. People are making fun of me, and I hate it. I dread it. For your rules are good. Lord, I know your rules are good, and that helps me. But still, turn away the reproach that I dread. Verse 42, then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Lord, I don't have any answers. And people make fun of me all the time, but I trust in your word. Verse 51, the insolent utterly deride me or mock me, but I do not turn away from your law. Let them mock. I get my, what's the word? I get my status from you, not from what people think. Verse 80, may my heart be blameless in your statutes that I may not be put to shame. Lord, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't, want, I don't like that feeling of being put to shame. Make my heart blameless in your statutes. Verse 141, I am small and despised. You ever felt like that? Small and despised. Yet I do not forget your precepts. You love me. Um, let me just cut some of the. I got two more subjects here. Sometimes you ever come to the Bible or getting ready to pray, and you just feel absolutely dead inside. Do you know this feeling? Nobody. Am I the only one? Okay. Verse twenty-five. My soul clings to the dust. Exactly. Give me life according to your word. You said you would, and you said you would use this word to do it. Do that, Lord. Incl verse 112, incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Bend it, Lord. Make it lean so that I actually want to do that. Verse 32, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. The good enlarged heart. Lord, I don't feel like doing anything. You give me a large heart. You fill me with your love, I'll run. I may hurt myself, but I'll run. Verse 159, consider how I love your precepts. Lord, you know all things. You know I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. And the last section that I uh, pulled from Psalm 119 is intimacy with God. Verse 168, I keep your precepts and testimonies for all my ways are before you. Lord, you know me. You're the only one who knows me. I can be honest with you. I live in your sight. You see everything I do. And I will keep your precepts and testimonies. Why wouldn't I? You see me. Verse 26, when I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Lord, I tell you everything I'm doing, all my desires, and you answer me from the word. Verse 73, your hands have made me and fashioned me, just like Adam in the garden with dirt. Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. 
You created me. You've recreated me. I need your commandments uh, to be a living word inside of me that I can glorify you. Do that. Verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. I picture the psalmist kind of whispering here. Have you ever really, really loved something? Like so much that it's like you really don't want to tell people about it, how much you love that thing. This is what he felt like. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 102, I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. Thank you, Lord. You teach me. You yourself. 103, how sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Fill me with sweet thoughts, Lord. 131, I, this one's beyond me. I open my mouth and pant. How do you pant? I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. That one's above me. I don't, I don't, I can, I don't get that one. Verse 167, last one. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. They're not hard because you put such a love in my heart. Thank you, Lord. Okay, let's pray and we'll move on with the service. Father, what can we say? We are your children. We thank you for our inheritance. Thank you for your covenant and for the treasure of the word that was part of that covenant. Lord, help us to love every word in the Bible, but understand it correctly, but see you as good and loving and kind. We ask for this blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.